BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning, I'm Lily Jamali, and this is the California Report, but let's start in Nevada, in a remote desert town east of the Sierra Nevada, where early this morning a 6.2 earthquake hit. A dispatcher at the Mono County Sheriff's Office in Bridgeport said it was a big one. They got a good jolt in Carson City and Reno. The USGS says people even felt it as far away as Bakersfield in Sacramento. Speaking of Sacramento, state lawmakers there are looking at painful cuts to the state budget. Governor Gavin Newsom has projected a somber picture in his revised budget proposal for the state post-coronavirus. KQED's Katie Orr reports. California is facing a projected $54 billion deficit after the coronavirus devastated the state's economy. Newsom wants to cancel $6 billion in proposed spending and use $8 billion in reserves, among other things, to help balance the state's budget. But he says it's critical the federal government provide more aid. The federal government has a moral and ethical and economic obligation to help support the states. After all, what is the point of government if not to protect people, their safety, and the well-being of citizens? Among the cuts Newsom's proposing, nearly $7 billion in general fund spending for K-12 schools. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. Meanwhile, schools across the state are trying to plan for reopening, but they're facing deep budget cuts. Governor Newsom is asking legislators to approve some adjustments to soften the blow. KQED's Julia McAvoy reports. Saying education is one of the state's core values, Governor Newsom called on the federal government to pass a massive relief package to help schools survive the steep drop in state revenue. I want you to know that we are not just going to roll over and accept $19 billion of cuts to public education. The governor outlined several options the state legislature could consider to soften the blow by several billion, including a rarely used supplemental payment to schools to the tune of 1.5 percent of the general fund. But inevitably, large urban districts, most of which are already facing deficits, are only in for more pain. For the California Report, I'm Julia McAvoy. We have new details to share with you this morning about how the COVID-19 pandemic is hitting our state's budget. With funds drying up, the state is up against some tough choices. Take an ambitious plan to invest more than $1 billion from the general fund to tackle homelessness. Well, it has now been scrubbed from the governor's revised budget. KQED's Molly Solomon has more. 
Earlier this year, Newsom said homelessness was his administration's top priority. He even devoted his entire State of the State speech to the crisis. And a big piece of his plan, a $1.4 billion spending proposal, was notably missing in his revised budget. Instead, Newsom says the state will rely on $750 million from the Federal CARES Act to purchase hotels leased by cities and counties. The goal is to keep homeless people housed, even after the state of emergency is lifted. Anya Lawler is with the Western Center on Law and Poverty. It presents an opportunity to take buildings that already exist and create housing. Housing advocates were pleased the budget included half a billion dollars for the low-income housing tax credit to spur affordable housing. Meanwhile, assistance for emergency rent relief was largely absent, except for a legal aid fund for tenants facing eviction. For the California Report, I'm Molly Solomon. In addition to the many other reductions, Governor Gavin Newsom has announced substantial cuts to Medi-Cal as part of his May revision to California's budget. KQED's health correspondent April Demboski explains. With so many Californians losing jobs and health insurance because of the pandemic, the state estimates 2 million more people will sign up for Medi-Cal this year. To pay for the increase in enrollment, the state is cutting back on some of the benefits. Services like vision, podiatry, and physical therapy will no longer be covered. Dental services will be greatly reduced. Health advocate Anthony Wright says many of these services had just been restored after they were cut in the last recession. We spent a lot of time trying to work our way out of the hole that we dug 10 years ago during the Great Recession, and we're looking to repeat the exact same mistakes. The state is also scrapping plans that would have extended Medi-Cal coverage to some blind and disabled Californians and to undocumented adults over age 65. For The California Report, I'm April Demboski. In Washington, the House of Representatives will vote on a coronavirus relief package today. It'll include a proposed half a billion dollars specifically for nursing homes. KQED science reporter Molly Peterson has more on that. Around 45 percent of California's COVID-19 deaths have happened at skilled nursing facilities. The State Department of Public Health trained up hundreds of additional nurses to work with these homes on controlling infections. That's why Congressman Jimmy Panetta, a Democrat from Monterey, says he's proposing to boost the budget of the federal Department of Health and Human Services. We should be supporting the state uh, when it comes to those types of efforts to create and have available these types of strike forces, federally funded, state-mandated, locally executed. A third of the overall package the House is voting on includes aid for state, local, and tribal governments. Republicans say it's unlikely to pass or even be considered in the Senate. For The California Report, I'm Molly Peterson. Turning to tech, roughly one in five Californians don't have decent internet access at home. But during the pandemic, many of us are required to attend school or work online. KQED's Aditi Bandlamudi reports big city mayors are calling on big internet providers to do more about the digital divide. Eleven California mayors, including those from San Francisco, Sacramento, and L.A., sent a letter to the CEOs of AT&T, Comcast, T-Mobile, Cox, Frontier, and Charter, calling on them to extend free Internet service to low-income families until July 31st. Sonny McPeak of the nonprofit California Emerging Technologies Fund agrees. 
the quest for digital equity in California and across our nation is now a 21st century civil right. Those service providers that did respond said they're already taking some steps to help low-income families during the pandemic. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., Congress is considering a $2 billion proposal to improve connectivity for the nation's schools and libraries. For The California Report, I'm Aditi Bandlamudi. COVID-19 times have uncovered a sad irony. As farmers report crops rotting in the fields, hunger is growing nationwide. California parents are struggling to feed their families and food banks are seeing demand skyrocket. Reporter Deepa Fernandez visited an organization in South LA dedicated to making its community more self-sufficient when it comes to food. Across California, close to half of all Latinx parents said they're going hungry, according to a recent survey by the Education Trust West. Dr. Alicia Smith-Ariaga is executive director. The poll revealed that their parents who are skipping and reducing meals. The Osmeri Duran, a South LA mother of two, is one of them. Why does it matter? Because when you have kids, you always think about them. When COVID hit LA, her family's income disappeared overnight but their bills didn't. So Duran and her husband began seeking out free food from churches, schools and pantries. Just went like six in the morning, going through line. Standing in lines for free food is now a full-time job, especially in South LA, which is a food desert, even in non-pandemic times. But a small farm, just a hair away from downtown skyscrapers, has a different approach to solving hunger issues. It's on the edge of a community that's home to many low-income families of colour. The farm is run by Heather Fenny of Community Services Unlimited. So here we're growing collard greens, Swiss chard, lettuce, mustard greens. Post-COVID, CSU moved quickly to help families plant gardens at home. What we focus on is showing very simple, affordable methods for growing food in whatever kind of space you have. A patio, a stairwell, greater self-sufficiency around food is really critical. The LA chapter of the Black Panther Party founded Community Services Unlimited in 1977. And co-executive director Neelam Sharma says the party's ideas still guide what they do today. Unlike food pantries and churches, theirs is not a social service program. Service programs, they build no sustainability in communities, they build no skills, they build no jobs, they don't create anything permanent that serves that community. When the Panthers served free breakfast to children, there was a larger, justice-seeking goal, Sharma says. The survival programs were a way of organising people. They were a way of pointing out all the failures in a system that was really failing ordinary people in, in the country. Lining up for free food day after day, going from a church to a school just to get enough food, is tiring and can be humiliating, she says. There's a deeply problematic power structure in that relationship. However, the reality today is that hunger is spreading so quickly in the South LA community post-COVID that CSU has reverted to giving out a lot of free food. Oh, donated. Thank you so much. Yet here, for a donated bag of food, there's no lining up. CSU is delivering directly to homes. There's also a CSU organic market and cafe, which sits on a main boulevard in South LA. Orders come in on the telephone. The store gives families on CalFresh half off the sticker price. 
It's part of the philosophy of not shutting out low-income families from the healthier but more costly organic produce. Those who can afford it help subsidise those who can't. And that's one small way of bringing more equity to the food system. For The California Report, I'm Deepa Fernandez in South LA. Let's turn now to our sister show, The California Report's weekly magazine. This week, they're bringing us stories about the hidden history of slavery in the early days of California's statehood. As Sasha Coca tells us, this weekend marks the anniversary of a brutal massacre of Pomo Indians in Lake County. Early white settlers to Lake County forced native Pomo to work on cattle ranches. The settlers also had the backing of the U.S. Cavalry. On May 15, 1850, troops used bayonets and muskets to kill hundreds of Pomo Indians on an island they used as a fishing camp. Clayton Duncan's great-grandmother, Lucy Moore, was one of the few survivors. All her cousins and grandpas and grandmas, they were all just laying there dead. The water was all just full of blood, you know, and she gets up, a six-year-old girl, and sees all this. Moore lived to be 110, and as a child, Duncan knew her. Every year, he leads tribal members and allies in a sunrise ceremony of forgiveness at the site, today called Bloody Island. You know, it's a sad story. That's, that's our story. And, and it's like it didn't happen a thousand years ago, man. It was yesterday for us. Native folks, says Duncan, are no strangers to pandemics that disproportionately sicken their communities. This year, they'll live stream the ceremony at sunrise on Saturday morning to respect social distancing. Sasha will tell us the remarkable story of how Lucy Moore survived. Tune in to this week's California Report magazine on this station or download the podcast. And that is the California Report for this Friday, May 15th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our awesome engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin. Raquel Maria Dillon, Alice Wolfley, Kate Wolf, and Mary Franklin Harvin are our producers. Angela Corral is the editor of the show. Our managing editor is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Lily Jamali. Take care and have a great weekend. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Paint care. Ideas for storing leftover paint to keep it fresh and tips for using it up can be found at paintcare.org and the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 
That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs> 